Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode 11 of Kayfabe Council, show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name's Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is TF Joker. Joker, what's the crack, man? Oh, the crack is absolute 90, still riding a high off of last week's news. I'm living off the hopium. Quite possibly has been replaced with some copium along the way, but um, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. What about yourself? Not too bad. Yeah, it's been quite the uh, shakeup and quite a lot of things sort of happening outside of the ring, which is always interesting and in how they affect inside the ring. But yeah, as, as we'll get into this particular episode, but yeah, doing okay, man. It's been hot as well. We're in the midst of the end of July as at the time of recording and who buddy is this? Is it still hot outside? It's, it's probably only hot for uh, your side of the world over here. It's kind of rain. It's back to normality for me. <laughs> My everyday sort of gray clouds, uh, you know, just, the threat of rain around every corner. Uh, I was stood out the back garden today with my brother's new dog. He has an absolutely beautiful little uh, blonde uh, Labrador. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just starting to threaten to rain. I was like, ah, just please don't. Just go away. Give me back. The, at least give me back the heat. And then I realized what I was saying. I was like, nope, I'm okay with the rain. Yeah, we're hoping as we get into the dog days of August, we're hoping for a little reprieve, but you know what it is. It's, we're getting the throngs of summer and then into the fall upcoming. So hopefully where you're at, it's not too bad, but we appreciate you coming along on the journey with us. As a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash Council and in audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at Triple H is named Head of Creative. We're also going to look at Ricky Starks losing the FTW Championship. But coming up first. Triple H is named Head of Creative. So hot off the heels of this past Friday's announcement that Vince McMahon is retiring from the WWE giving up his position as CEO and chairman of the board of directors, as well as head of creative. This past Monday, we had an announcement officially that Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan will serve as co-CEOs on the board of directors. And we also had an announcement that Paul Triple H Levesque will now be head of creative in addition to being head of talent relations. So... A huge announcement for that. Um, we're going to see Trips at being, again, head of talent relations and head of creative. So, firstly, what was your reaction when we got the news that Triple H is going to be creative guy? Um, Big smile. Just like a, a genuinely big smile on my face because... It's gone to the hands of someone who I have um, the greatest amount of respect for when it comes to least giving people, regardless of what they look like, 
uh, body shape, you know, body type, however they work, uh, size. Um, he will give them a fair shot, and he will do everything he can to make stars. Uh, whereas, you know, the previous head of creative uh, decided he only liked one way, and it was either that way or the highway. So Paul, being a you know triple H, uh, being in charge of the calling him Paul like we're friends, um, you know him being in charge of of creative definitely uh, replenishes my my tanks of hopium here um, as we as we head into a very unknown future because Vincent Kennedy McMahon was in charge of. Uh, the W, the WWF, WWE, for longer than I've been alive. Uh, so yeah, definitely. Um, uncharted waters, and excited to uh, step into what could possibly be. Likewise, so when I had heard the announcement on Monday, it was one of those ah, oh, there's hope for the future. I think coming off of Vince retiring and stepping away, there was a lot of conjecture over the weekend about maybe who who could step up. I know there was concerns about Hunter's health because he'd come off that cardiac event uh, late last year as well. So it was one of those, okay, well, um, we saw John Laurinaitis step away, so we had Trips stand up and take the reins of talent relation. And then again, this announcement of head of creative, a lot on his plate, but it's one of those that I'm hopeful for the future. And by all accounts, not all, shall I say, by many accounts, the talent and folks in the business are excited or kind of hopeful of what to potentially become. I mean, we've seen Hunter, what he can do with the NXT brand, for example. And for many years, he had that sort of success. And it was one of those where a lot of people were watching and a lot of people were interested and there were many takeovers that were held on the same weekend as main roster pay-per-views that folks would say arguably were much better than the main event pay-per-view. So that notwithstanding, I think it's one of those where I was like, man, this has definitely potential to be something good, not putting the cart before the horse, but yeah, I think there's hope for the future. Yeah, I I wasn't... um always the biggest fan of NXT. Uh, I wasn't always the biggest follower, but whenever I did tune in, I was pleasantly surprised. There was some really good storylines going on, and it, it did pull me in a little bit to uh, start to enjoy some of the up-and-coming talent at the time, uh, some of the established stars that they'd brought in. Uh, so it, it was definitely something that... Um, interested me because the current product let's say the, the current main product was very steel uh at least in my opinion and if i can be so bold as to say that i i'm pretty sure that an awful lot of individuals probably felt that it wasn't the fact that aew exists this comes from a uh, from a talent standpoint it's not really the fact that AEW exists that I feel like I can go somewhere else. It's the fact that VKM is in charge and I don't want to 
I don't want to work for him because I knew what it was like to work for somebody who respected me. Uh, I knew what it was like for somebody who would give me the time of day. Um, and I, I, I'm going to go somewhere else now because I don't want to have to fit into a mold uh, put there by somebody else. Yeah, so there were folks that had recently left the company and that are free agents now that were saying essentially that if Triple H was creative, head of creative rather than Vince McMahon, for example, that they would have stayed or they would have held on with the company and potentially either not been released or had not looked for opportunities elsewhere. So in terms of Hunter being able to make an impact with the folks that he worked with and or the folks that he was loyal to, I think has made a large impact either on the folks having hope for the future or again, potentially moving forward. So I think overall it's a, it's a good thing. And I feel like before where we had a disconnect with folks that were in NXT or at least Hunter's vision of NXT and then seeing folks move up to the main roster of Raw and SmackDown, we saw them handled different. We saw them, I don't know, maybe not booked or had a different feel being on a Raw or SmackDown as opposed to an NXT. So hopefully with Hunter having head of creative, maybe that can be seamless. Yeah. It's my hope that at least uh, there's a little more consistency um, and progress in the uh, in the booking of individuals because at the minute we kind of go so far and then we take a couple of steps back and then we get, take a couple of steps further back and then we run it back again and then we get to a different point only to run it back again. Um, I don't honestly know why that was because that would just lead an awful lot of speculation of the stories and stuff about the the creative uh the creative episodes that they had um and the work that was before and behind the scenes fair enough you know that's that's honestly confirmed through other sources so it's not something i'm really able to able to work upon it's it's more triple h is is now going to have to uh, take the big shoes that he's stepping into and walk them down a more consistent path. Uh, he was at uh, he was at a recent um, a recent uh, expo where they were doing um, talent scouting, and he was saying that he has big shoes to fill uh, in an interview. Uh, and yes, yes, he does, but he doesn't, nor should he feel like. He has to do what Vince would do. He should do what he feels is going to be good for the creative and good for the talent and good for everyone going forward. Because this news, uh, in my sort of in, in my sort of fan opinion, uh, this news could bring back lapsed fans. Uh, if you know that the big man is not in charge anymore and somebody else in charge, you're curious. You want to see how it's going to go. 
well you know let's let's see how this is gonna go and bish bash bosh you get new fresh eyes on the product again so wow them yeah it's an excellent point there was i believe on this SummerSlam media calls where you had aforementioned that he has big shoes to fill i think he also mentioned it on that essentially reiterating that statement but then also mentioning that we have to work together essentially in so many words saying we in terms of creative or having a voice or having getting ideas he says he's very open to that and that he wants to have input from from the staff from the the talent right from the writers where again it's not just maybe one person's voice where he may be like the yay or nay guy but it's just like all right let's let's do this together let's have it be more collaborative let's have the ideas flow as opposed to the writers and then me giving the final say hunters like all right cool like we're going to we're going to kind of a little bit of a changing of the guard or a little bit more open and and maybe folks are who were creatively starved potentially have again uh, a bit of hope for the future yeah um that is probably one of the bigger things that uh, that i do hope to see is the fact that you know maybe an awful lot of individuals will have that better booking uh that we can see a fresh lease on life as it were for people in their careers uh people who like i said earlier on might have been overlooked by one person are now going to be given a fair shot by someone who thinks that everybody should be given a shot because they're talented. So, you know, the likes of who do we have? Oh, pretty much half the roster. You know, you, your your Champas, your Finn Balors, your Damian Priests, your uh, Mustafa Ali's. You know, there's, there's even more than that. We don't have to rely on the youngest United States champion theory because McMahon had a crush on him. Like we don't have to rely on uh, Romain Reigns, the the needle mover, you know, the big dog, head of the table, uh, Uncle Us. Uh, we don't have to rely on him holding all the belts. We can have more people. Uh, we can have a more well thought out uh, women's division as well. Something we were talking about before the show began. Uh, Sheena Baszler coming back is is a huge possibility. Push her to the moon. I like. I love uh, Bianca Belair. I love Rhea Ripley. I love an awful lot of these uh, of these talent. But Sheena Baszler was criminally let down whenever she moved to uh, Raw and SmackDown. She had one amazing match in the uh, was it the elimination elimination chamber? chamber. Yep. She murked everyone. She was an absolute beast. In fact, I would go so far as to say that whenever she had that match, she was the scariest individual on the roster, hands down. Doesn't matter about whether you're in the men's division or the women's division, Shayna Baszler was the top, in my opinion, after that match. And whenever you think of, think of her NXT run, where she was just so dominant, you just get excited to see what she could do on a belt chase and then her be the champion and then a reign of terror 
like no more of this tag team division just tag with whoever's available just for the spot um you know just put her against ronda rousey for crying out loud give us some really good matches uh with individuals that uh maybe were completely looked over and looked past before you hit the nail right on the head so we we mentioned earlier a little bit about maybe a possible disconnect from the folks in the NXT and then moving up to Raw and SmackDown. You spoke prominently, featured about, right, Shayna Baszler, top champion in NXT, had quite a run, you know, being of dominance. And then we see one of the first ones when she got on Raw or SmackDown, I forget what it was at the time, but bit Becky's neck and... and was like Vampire Shayna, and then obviously leading up to, which if I'm not mistaken, was the last pay-per-view before there was uh, the lean on fans in attendance, which was the 2020 Elimination Chamber, where she dominated, and ended up facing uh, Becky in the WrestleMania 36 Performance Center one, that notwithstanding. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. And then sort of kind of fell off after that. We saw a little bit of her being scared of the Lily doll from Alexa Bliss being in a tag team with Nia Jax. More recently, even on the pre-production call we were on here before we started recording, we mentioned she was kind of thrown together with Natalia, but then we haven't seen her in roughly a month's time. So... Again, speaking of disconnects in terms of NXT to main roster, again, Shayna Baszler has super potential and, again, can be that kind of dominant person that you can potentially push in the women's division. Guys like Finn. Finn got off to a hot start on the main roster, unfortunately was injured in that match with Seth at SummerSlam when he won the Universal Championship hasn't maybe reached that quite prominence since then off to that hot start. Damian Priest got a group together with Bad Bunny last year. After that, it was kind of stop-start. Maybe U.S. Championship reign fought against The Miz with the Zombie Lumberjacks. Kind of not much going on after that. Uh, Champa. Champa was a big part of NXT and then has not been featured kind of been sort of a bodyguard slash hitman slash associate for the Miz so again we talk about folks being built up so much in NXT being quote unquote hunter guys and then kind of missing the mark on the main roster at least when it was under VKM's regime yeah it was always said that um paraphrasing of course that you only really ever had to impress one person that was the, the one person that was in charge of uh of the head of creative like it didn't matter about the fans if, if vince didn't get it then he felt that no one would get it um of course we all know that out of touch old white men are not probably the best people to uh to be making decisions for an awful lot of other people especially when it concerns how those other people want to spend their time and their and how they digest their entertainment, which we now see as he was completely wrong. 
Um, there's an awful lot of uh, these people that come through uh, the system who are not what he has uh, the idea for. Like Finn, on, like like you said, he got off to a hot start. Uh, and then that shoulder injury after the, uh, I think it was whenever he went into the barricade on the outside uh, on his uh, Universal uh, Championship match, like he held that belt for all of a day. Uh, and that was pretty much the last time he ever saw a prominent championship title match. And the match was good. The match was very good. And he is a good heel character. Um, but after that, we saw like a lot of um, the demon Finn Balor, you know, not to, not to take anything away from the fantastic uh, artwork and makeup job that was done for him to, to portray that character. But, you know, I, I, I don't care. Like, it was never it was never something that I needed to see all the time. Uh, and it felt like the Finn Balor, the person, the character, the human uh, would lose only for the demon uh, to come into a pay-per-view and win. And that was always the sort of the way that he would see that. And it felt like maybe Vince saw that as the money pull. And to a certain extent, he was right. Um, and then, like you said, the vampire Shayna Baszler, like there was no call for that. There was no need for that. We don't need that. She's a legit MMA fighter. She can break people in that ring. Uh, you know, she is another Ronda Rousey. Uh, she is an absolute unit, and if you watch, um, if you watch Up Up Down Down, the the video game show that Xavier Woods does, she's hilarious. She is an absolute joy just to sit there and watch and and hear the smack talk uh, with her and the other the other superstars who partake in that. She's absolutely great. She's got quite um, the personality for sure. She does, and yeah. she doesn't get to showcase that. And that is that is just something that an awful lot of other people uh, will hopefully want to see going forward. Stars getting to showcase their personalities rather than read scripts. Yeah, it's one of those, again, it's with Hunter taking over as the new head of creative and the new regime, we're hopeful for at least some more symmetry and less drastic changes. Obviously, I think the stop start are kind of they're presented one way and then they move to a different place and it's completely different. I'm not going to say that the days of if you go to a new show, you're going to have a new gimmick, maybe a new name, but hopefully the the drastic nature of those changes won't be as huge or monumental so that if you're following along this person's journey that they can they can get over and and have some familiarity as opposed to just all right cool you put all this time and effort into this person this character wham complete 180 on something completely different when they're situated onto a brand new show so that would be at least the hope from a less whiplash effect for the fans yeah it, it... It's definitely something that I feel is a little bit, like you said, it's a little bit whiplash. It kind of gives you that sort of uh, effect of, well, I was enjoying this, and now why are we having to change everything all the time? 
just because it has to suit um suit one way uh name changes the gimmick changes you know sometimes these are good for people sometimes the they are good for people to change to change things up um recently it was uh Pete Dunn that was saying you know he'd done he'd done the same thing for a number of years whenever it was this concerning the change to the butch character but he'd done the same thing for the a number of years and it didn't feel like he was getting anywhere but now that he's playing this character butch uh you know he feels like he's getting a bit more uh a bit more traction a bit more no, uh, notoriety people are talking about him how much of that statement is the person behind the character and how much of that is force fed to us we won't know i don't i don't think he would ever tell us either way um but regardless he did he does have a new gimmick and every time i see him i'm like okay cool but where's the wrestler like i want to see him fight i want to see him in the ring because i always love pete dunn matches but i haven't seen butch have a have more than one match and he's been on the roster for three months yeah in terms of in that example there i I don't think there's anything wrong with reinvention and kind of changing things up and and freshening up the sort of coat of paint on the person stuff like uh chris jericho does a really good job of just kind of before things get potentially too overdrawn or stale Changing it up. It doesn't have to be a huge change. It can be like a new moniker. It can be like a new catchphrase, a new presentation of sorts. And I think it's good. If you're, if you notice that something's getting a little long in the tooth, it's probably getting there for the fans type of thing. So tweaks, tweaks are always good again to keep things fresh. Mm, and yeah, it's been I, there for a long time. Yeah, but I think in that example for the the Pete Dunn slash Butch thing, I think it was. He even said it was good to kind of get out of his particular wheelhouse of the thing he's been doing for the past six years and change up and have a little bit more personality. But yeah, I don't just on that note, I don't know. I think he's kind of had like one, maybe two matches, really. Maybe one's been a tag, one's kind of been a short singles, but really mm. not much of a chance to to showcase what he can do. Hopefully he does get an opportunity. But yeah, I think it's I think it's something that maybe again we can potentially see going forward mm. well speaking of the opportunities uh and we, we've mentioned a couple of people but like how many people do we extend this potential to like who do we see rising to more prominence uh who who do you want to see being used better differently uh because you know, there's a laundry list there yeah i think there's too many folks to name my blanket statement and my thoughts would be i'd, I'd want everybody to get a, a decent shot and to have something to sink their teeth into and that they feel like they can have confidence in a storyline or in a character and and kind of take a little bit of control and and own it and and, and feel good about it and that way it's projected and it's presented well and confidently so Again, I, I want to see like folks like Pete Dunn, uh, the aforementioned, guys like Finn, uh, Rhea, Damian Priest, again, folks like that, that maybe 
have kind of been featured a little bit of languishing, but that can have the opportunity again in the right circumstances to show that they've had success in the past and that they can have success in the future. So that would be yeah. my overall sort of piece again. And then uh, in addition, again, the laundry list of names is so long for that. Mm. I would, I would agree that an awful lot of those individuals deserve definitely better than what they've been given. Of course too. So we've seen again, the about a week's worth of television and we're leading into the big pay-per-view at the time of recording SummerSlam is tonight, but at the time of release SummerSlam will have been yesterday. So there's potentially notions that Triple H might have a little bit more say it's again, we talked about this last week's episode that we don't think the change is going to be drastic, but we can see a little bit of sprinkling in of kind of differences or maybe a little bit more of his influence coming through post SummerSlam and to speak on that a little bit as well. It's something that I kind of noticed watching this past week's episode of raw and SmackDown is there's a little bit different feel to the show. It was sort of hard to articulate exactly, but I think one of the things that I noticed is there were less recaps. Like we'd start a match three minutes in, we would go to commercial Boom, we would come back, maybe have four to five minutes of wrestling. Up, oh, time for another commercial. And as soon as that ended, constant recaps were always sort of a thing. And that kind of interruption thing. So I noticed maybe less of that, less of the constant recaps. It seemed to flow a little better this past week's episodes. It felt like a little bit more kind of wrestling and less stop-start. So like the example that I'm kind of thinking of is we would have a wrestler entrance, we'd cut to a commercial break, and come back backstage promo, and then cut to the announcers, and they'd do a promo, and then they would throw to a video package, and then 15 to 18 minutes later, the second wrestler would come in for their entrance to hopefully start the match before they cut to another commercial. So it there was maybe not something we're going to completely stop, but again, it felt like it flowed better yeah they definitely have obligations being part of uh network television they definitely have obligations to meet with uh concerns to uh to advertisements and sponsors and things like this here um so there are obviously going to be those time constraints but I feel like, to your point, I don't know if a lot of the time was used up with recaps, so we were then pushed to having more recaps because it felt, you know, not me personally, person in charge, we all knew who it was, felt like, well, people need to be reminded because we've just had a break, so let's just have a recap of what happened before that break because people, it was three minutes ago. Now, for, for myself and yourself, we watch ad-free. We watch we watch post the show. Like we do not watch the adverts because we watch the show without, because we just go straight through job done. Jobs are good. And so whenever you're watching it like that, you, you kind of look at it as why am I watching something that happened five seconds ago again? And it makes three hours of television, let alone two hours unbearable. So the fact that we have less, um, less recapping, uh, less monologuing by the desk uh, about what's going to happen, what's happening, and what's to happen, um, and then 
you know, without those kind of sequences of events, there's more time freed up for sports entertainment, for the wrestling, for the stuff in the ring. Uh, so yeah, I feel like definitely I notice an awful lot, um, an awful lot of space in the show given back to what was what the show was all about. Agreed. Uh, again, it was maybe not to say that again they're going to completely go away or go away from that format, but I think to this past week's episode of SmackDown where we had the opening match that the Donnie Brooke Shillelagh match with. Seamus and Drew. If I'm not mistaken, that went like three or so segments. That was a good mm. like 15 plus minute match. They let it breathe. They let it do. And then had the, the post-match angle with Drew and Theory. And then went on to the next thing. So it was kind of a nice reprieve as opposed to like constant commercial break. Boom. Okay, recap, recap, re- recap and things like that. Like it felt... It felt a little cleaner. Again, there's still some rough edges, but just even that in that small example, I felt a little bit more engaged with the program itself. It's definitely one of those that whenever you look at it and you see the individuals doing something other than a rest hold because the ref has told them, we're going to recap, we're going to break, we're doing this. So, you know, so that they know to do uh to do a couple of rest holds to maybe not work himself too hard and you know do a throw uh get a bit of a get up a bit of a breather um it definitely does feel like they at least attempted to let the wrestlers wrestle uh obviously this was the donny brook the good old-fashioned donny brook match or whatever the the heck it was called um with the nine foot shillelagh in there um not gonna lie wasn't really a fan of the match uh because of the stupid fact that it was called a donnybrook match and there was the obvious odes to the irish heritage being a bar like wow cool way to way to uh slap right above the right above the belt there boys and girls whiskey uh, barrels at ringside the whiskey barrels like why okay i'm sorry but like it couldn't have been more ridiculous if you had a had a couple of sacks of potatoes there i legitimately thought uh that i was going to put my hand through my head when i face palmed as we got that solid camera angle on the three whiskey barrels at the front i was like really really it's like, okay, boys and girls, this is a fight between an Irishman and a Scotsman. You cannot just sit there and only have it about one side here. Oh, wait, but we've got flags around the side, boys. We've got flags, as they say over here. We've got the flags. We've got the Irish flag, the trickler, and we've got the, the, Scottish, the Scottish flag um, sitting up all the way around the ring. Wow. Such an amazingly themed match. And we were told some history between these two. I just not not gonna lie. I could I could rant about this match because it annoyed me, but I won't. But it was nice to see that they did what they did and they had the time to do it, and they were given the benefit of the doubt of you were put into this stupid situation. Here's a match, go do something. And it's it's Seamus and Drew McIntyre. They could they can legitimately wrestle for 
half an hour to an hour and I'd be entertained. Yeah, that notwithstanding, that's probably a layover from the previous regime, the VKM era. But again, hopefully post-SummerSlam, we're going to see a little bit more of the trip's influence, potentially for the better, happen throughout, sprinkled throughout the shows as well. So we are excited again for Triple H taking over as head of creative, but let us know your thoughts on what you think of Hunter taking over creative. And if you need a supply of hopium, I've got a contact. There we go. Definitely let us know for sure. All right, moving on to the next topic we have here, Ricky Starks losing the FTW championship. So on this past week's episode of AEW Dynamite, we had the scheduled match of Ricky Starks defending the FTW championship against Danhausen. It's a rather quick match and ended up kind of squashing him in a couple minutes. Grabs a mic, does the open challenge, say, hey, much like last week, I want another challenger, but this is for real this time. Out comes Hook. They have a square off, a little bit of a much more competitive match as opposed to the Danhausen match, and Hook comes away with the championship, submitting Ricky Starks to the uh, the Red Rum or the Katahajime. The Taz mission. Taz mission. Uh, all the above, delete is appropriate. And then we see a show of respect from Ricky and Hook. And we see a post-match promo from Ricky itself. I have a couple of notes here. Uh, he says he's no stranger to losing, but he's okay with that. He was given the title when people thought it was a noose, and he turned it into a tie. He took leather and metal and made it into gold. And no one can say that they brought that title back to prominence. It was him. And then he goes on to say, people tell him in the back that he has to be patient and wait his turn. But he doesn't want to hear that. And his time was last month, and it was last year, and his time is now. And then unfortunately, we see Hobbs just turn on him. The old Gorilla Monsoon Pearl Harbor from behind. And it looks like the dissolution of the team of Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks. So quite the quite the change there on AEW Dynamite. Yeah. Uh there's a lot to be said about this this segment. Like you might you might look at this segment and go, I was just it was just a you know, just a a turn. It was a championship change. Like it's just the FTW championship. But honestly there was so many layers to this that I really enjoyed this section of of dynamite the most um and it's simply because ricky starks is one of the best to ever do it on the mic and he's so young and he's only going to get better and i said this to uh, to you last night pt is like i am getting star vibes from this guy like he is this he's still around but he's the second coming of the rock in my opinion not as a big thing to lump on a guy, but he is one of these individuals that he cuts a promo, it's impassioned, it's it's on form, it's there, it's engaging. Uh, add in whatever you need um, to any individual, and it most likely it is going to be how to cut a promo. 
Like that is what you need for a lot of a lot of these superstars is they need the ability to cut a promo. Ricky Starks has that in spades. We saw that before with the likes of MJF. We've seen it before with people like The Rock, you know, to to make that uh make that crossover. Um and I just feel like in my personal opinion the Ricky has something here that regardless of what uh, side of the coin he's on, whether he's a baby face, whether he's a heel, you know, he is going to be this guy that the crowd is going to absolutely love to hit him whenever he needs to be hated. And they are just going to adore him all the time because he has such uh, charisma. In, in that ring, like even when he's not on the mic, whenever he's strutting on the top of the rope, you know, whenever he's doing his pose, whenever he's just doing any simple maneuver, he is just so good. And we have spoken about um, Team Taz in the same vein as Swerve in Our Glory for the last few weeks. And we've always been centered on Swerve in Our Glory, at least I have, about them turning on each other, them, you know, uh, uh, maybe having singles runs. We never kind of thought too much about this, and now the fact that this has happened, it's not so much that it's a that it's a surprise. It's the fact that it was right in front of our faces. Why didn't we think of this? Why wasn't this a a thing? And it was because, in my opinion, uh, it was because they were being muzzled to a certain extent. And you might not agree, but they only got the chance to cut promos recently the last few weeks. Before that, there was Team Taz was kind of gone for a few weeks. You know, maybe Ricky got the odd promo. We've seen backstage segments with uh, Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks the last maybe two weeks. So they've been building to this. and The inkling has been there that something hasn't been quite right with Hobbs. Um, and it's just... One of the the bright sparks in an otherwise just okay show was the fact that Hook won the FTW Championship, had a fist bump with Ricky Starks, and then Ricky Starks got his pan knocked in after a babyface promo. Like, if you do not think that was just some of the most entertaining wrestling and segments of this week, then I don't know what you were watching because that was just some of the best stuff. Yeah, so a lot to unpack here for sure. On the aspect of Ricky himself, there's definitely something there for sure. I mean, honestly, like you wouldn't A, sign the guy, and then B, just put a title on him, again, as a showcasing feature if you didn't have faith in him, if you didn't have notions of, you know, putting this guy on TV and on matches and on the stick and cutting promos and, and having him featured. So again, that there's, there's definitely something there. And 100%, we've seen that you can get away with being a guy who is be, who has charisma and can work on the stick and cut promos for sure and be successful as a wrestler as a manager, as a personality, we've seen folks like that be successful. On the other side of the coin, we've seen folks that are crazy good wrestlers that may not be the best on the mic, but still be successful, of course. 
and then you know honestly if you don't have if you don't have either good mic skills or good wrestling you're maybe not going to be as held as prominent and not be successful but to that point ricky again has shown tons of personality and feels like you know what if i it, this is what you want me to say here's your bullet points the points you want to get across you can feel like i've mentioned it before in previous episodes ricky especially in the last couple weeks maybe the last month has had that like super intense like late 97 98 rick flair versus bischoff fire me bischoff fire me type of thing like he's had that vitriol and that passion when it terms of cutting cutting a promo and you've been able to feel that and you've been inclined whether you didn't like the promo whether you liked the promo you didn't like he was saying you felt you had a reaction and ultimately at the end of the day that's what you want you don't want folks sitting on their hands you don't want them being quiet you want them to react you want them to boo to cheer have a reaction and again like him or not ricky has been getting that so we've seen again him being featured him being moment and he mentioned it on that little promo like you gave me this you gave me this thing that could have been construed as a noose and i turned it into a tie so like again he's been shown that he can do it and the kid we've seen in some matches and and i'm thinking back in my mind now as i'm saying this in that three-way match with the bucks and swerve in our glory he's got some moves like he can do some wrestling may not be like super technical but like dude has flashes of of moves and then again like little things that he can do that can make you go okay like you know maybe i want to boom may want to cheer him where i'm going with this to to curve tail or book tail this long uh diatride is again like he's there's something about this kid like him or not that he could potentially go on to bigger and better things without transitioning away from the likes of the Team Taz situation away from the likes of the FDW Championship. Seen him be cons- successful and and go to this point, and looks like there's something that again this kid kid can do. Yeah, and like we, we had this conversation last night, and I I just I can't speak enough high praise about him uh, without. You know, sounding like I'm just the biggest Ricky Starks mark that there is. Like I agree that he is not the most technical of wrestling. Like he he has, uh, he has his move set. He's really good at it. He's very fluid. He's he looks like he's a safe pair of hands in the ring. Uh, he's a couple of really nice moves. He's just really good. He will only get better. Um, and like you said, like he you don't have to move him away from this team Taz thing, but that FTW championship being taken away from him and given to given to Hook, uh, feels like the Tony Khan and AEW as a whole are maybe ready to see more of Ricky Starks hold one of the championships that are recognized by uh, by AEW, because as we were told, it's a renegade championship, it's a rogue championship, it's not recognized by AEW. Um, so how much legitimacy can you bring to a title that isn't recognized? Um, is really the big question. You can say that you know he brought any amount of prestige to that title, but in my opinion, it was always just a nice little band-aid for the fact that you know Taz wanted to bring it in, and it was the start of his you know his whole um, 
well, these guys are never going to get a chance at the title because Tony's always going to keep us down. Um, so the fact that Ricky Stark is kind of being maybe pushed in the direction of a singles feud with his longtime partner, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, then you're going to see some really cool stuff out of these guys because they know them, they know each other really well. Their styles are going to clash hard when it comes to uh, Hobbs just being this big meaty man who is going to manhandle him uh, in in Ricky Starks. And then you, you just have, hopefully, the resolution that two of these really deserving individuals get to go on to have really deserving feuds in the title scenes for, say, the All Oceans Championship, as we call it. Uh, the TNT title, uh, because I know I'd love to see a Hobbs versus Wardlow match at some point. You know, maybe even a few years down the line, we see Hobbs versus Starks for the AW title. That would be sick. Like to have Starks as your AW champion in a few years and to have Hobbs come up and go, sup, my guy, and then just plant them, be so good. Uh, it's one of those things that I, I feel that and, and you mentioned this you mentioned this as well as like you don't really see him as a perennial baby face uh and i really like that that whole idea of not having someone be a baby face or a heel I, as as i put it put them uh in comic book terms an anti-hero a, a sort of able to flip to either side depending on the situation that is ricky starks some people only benefit from being a really good heel. See Finn Balor. I would prefer him as a heel over a baby face any day. Some people you would prefer as strictly a baby face. See Bianca Belair. Like she's the epitome of at the minute of being a baby face. Um Ricky Starks, he can play both. And I would enjoy it. I don't think that there's anything uh stopping this guy in terms of personality from you know strapping the rock to him and going to the top yeah there's always a notion of whenever you put a championship on a guy now granted the fdw championship as again mentioned and reiterated by taz is a renegade title unofficially recognized but whenever you put that that trophy that belt that briefcase whatever you call it it's a good sign or the talent because management has faith in you and wants to do something with you. Ergo, giving you this, this trophy, this, this, this thing that you can help promote and, and it promotes you. And it's one of those things that, again, now that they've shown, okay, he can do something with this, put it in matches. It may be unofficial, but they still do the, the whole presentation and, and announce him as championship and, and hold up the bell type of thing. So... It's again giving him a giving him a spot. Now, when we talked about where does he go from here, again, I do see the matchup and the feud with Powerhouse Hobbs. I feel like they can do some really good thing. Again, you mentioned the familiarity with one another, and then obviously once that feud is done, wherever that goes, them breaking off and kind of doing their own things, going to the next pieces, and then potentially coming back at a later date for fighting one another for a championship or contention for another championship potentially there's there's definitely some things there but the piece of i think 
he's gotten over to the point where when he did that sprinkled in that little bit of that post-match promo of him saying some babyface things and firing up like a babyface in that promo and kind of showing respect, folks were getting behind that. And I definitely see Ricky as a, as a heel, and he's shown confidence that he can do that. But I've, to your point, I'd prefer to see him as a heel, but I feel like he can do some things as a babyface, and he hasn't gotten an opportunity on a large scale and a large company to do that, but I'm curious to see how they handle that for sure. In all fairness, he hasn't had that much of an opportunity. Like, if we take uh, a sample of the matches that he's had, they have been the past two to three weeks of FTW Open Challenges. And then before that, it was two weeks of tag team matches. Before that, it was a couple of weeks of nothing. And before that, it was all tag. Uh, he has been mentioned as the longest-serving FTW champion to date, surpassing Brian Cage, which is the first mention of Brian Cage's name since Brian Cage lost the title, I think. You know, AEW is not immune to criticism for not being able to use individuals. Criminally underrated uh, by the management, possibly. Because where is where is Brian Cage, the former longest reigning FTW uh, champion, who never defended that thing except for whenever it was against Ricky and he lost it? Like he never defended that thing. I mean, Ricky only started recently defending it. I'm sorry, but how can how can you do that to these to these people who are so good? Uh, it just kind of really bums me out that we see in this last week that we have such a really good talent in Ricky. And this is actually the first time we're seeing it all happen. Now, granted, he, he did only get his job a few years ago within AEW. It's not as if he's a long-standing uh, member of this company. Don't get me wrong, he has had to build this up. Um, but you do see other individuals who have much less given much more. See theory. Yeah, I will agree that there's so much talent in AEW that they find inconsistencies of trying to rotate folks in and out, finding spots, things of that nature. At certain points in time, they seem to favor certain talents again talk about the sort of absences, absence of the, the aforementioned Ryan Cage, things of that nature is, is a really good example. But I th- yeah, I think it's one of those where, where do we go from here? Do we, do we actually have Ricky potentially be featured on Dynamite on a Rampage, potentially down the line on a pay-per-view? Do we see that? Is he, now that he's no longer champion, do we see him relegated to Dark and Dark Elevation? I would hope not. I would again, because again, we're trying to have so many plates spinning and have potentially so many people with so little TV time. I don't know. I'm just, I'm hoping that we can see this story continue. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely hoping that this isn't sort of forgotten. It's kind of like the, the whole thing that I'm, I'm trying to get to in a roundabout way. 
as I normally am, I'm very roundabout. Uh, definitely want to see more of Ricky and Hobbs in the immediate future when it's hot, when it's a talking point, when it's a thing. Um, as opposed to we lose just all contact with these two guys and early Taz in AEW is proven right. Tony Khan just doesn't care about him. Tony Khan doesn't care about anything to do with Team Taz. And that is just going to be an absolute shame if that is ever the case. Yeah, slightly switching gears in terms of that. Now we see that Hook is the FTW champion. What is potentially the future hold for that championship? Maybe for the likes of Team Taz? Like, what What do you kind of see? What is, your, what is the vibe that you're getting? So, the, the main thing that I'm getting personally is that the FTW championship being taken off, Ricky, is, is sort of twofold. Uh, the title off him means that he gets to go off and do things and, and have that uh, wonderful time and, and further his career. And Taz gets given back his FTW championship and it's given to his son, someone who has gained such popularity uh, through the CM Punk Sand Hook uh, meme that ended up uh, just catching fire. Uh, Hook has this absolutely amazing presentation in the match as well. Comes out to orange shorts, the you know, the 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 floppy hair, which let's face it, I'm uh, horrendously envious of every single time I see him. Uh, you know, he just comes out and he's he just has such an amazing presentation. Um that you can see that this kid is is being built to be something different. Uh, you have your four pillars of AEW, but this guy could be in to steal Jonathan Gresham's sort of uh, uh, catchphrase. He could be the foundation uh, that you you build going forward for anything else. Um, and to give this title back to uh, to Taz via hook is sort of symbolic of the sense that you know. We don't. We no longer need this FTW championship uh, because we have so many actual titles. So I don't want anybody to be like, "Oh, he's never gonna, uh, never gonna defend it, never gonna do anything with it." Uh, because if you watch the digital exclusive short, uh, he grew up with this title. It was always on his mantle. Taz says uh, in an interview with Taz and Hope, Taz just could not lump enough praise on his son. And it was so beautiful to see. Like he said that he didn't know how to express it, and and he quote retweeted it and said, "I don't, you know, I'm not very good with words. I just hate doing the emotional stuff." And you know, him saying that he was proud of his son, and that you know, this was the whole thing that the kids saw growing up on the mantle. It was absolutely amazing to see, and I feel like that is sort of a passing of the torch uh, from Taz to his son. Uh, you know, to give him that opportunity to hold a piece of his history, essentially. Um, but to get to the crux of the question, I do see Hook phasing this title out and not defending it, and it's coming down to a segment that uh, might be it might be shown on TV. It might be a digital exclusive. It might just be said by Taz in passing. 
I can see this more so as well, Hook decided that uh, he wanted to keep that title for himself and he's retired it uh, because it's part of his history, it's part of him growing up and he just wants to keep it. Uh, so he's retired it. Um, and as a result of that, Team Taz is no longer a thing, mainly because Hook being off with Danhausen doesn't really hang out with Team Taz anyway. Uh, Ricky and Hobbs were the only two remaining members that even called themselves Team Taz, because Taz only ever referred to them as Team Taz when he was on commentary. He was never in any segments with them. Uh, and as unfortunate as that is, it's also a godsend, because we have so many factions now. We have a lot of factions in AEW, and a lot of groups, and a lot of individuals within groups, that it's kind of getting a little bit out of hand. I'll agree with you in that aspect. I think not the, and I think phasing out is a really good term to be used for that in terms of the FTW championship, as well as kind of team Taz. You think about when Taz brought in the FTW championship. Again, we had the world, we had the tag and we had the TNT. So we think about, okay, well again, the, the prominence and he mentioned it in the digital interview itself that the title being a renegade title and it was a tough tough guy's title where originally he created it because the world champion ecw world champion shane douglas was ducking him he says you know what i'm gonna do my own thing and boom i can defend this and i can show prominence type of thing like that so it was a opportunity then put on brian cage when he came in to be like all right let me give this guy a little bit of a push now flash forward to where we are now where the landscape has changed in AEW, where, again, you see the notion of Team Taz. He doesn't even come down with them anymore. He's, he's, for the most part, always on the commentary desk. When these guys would wrestle or they associate with them, he wouldn't come down to manage them or be at ringside. So, again, the aforementioned Hook now having that sort of bringing it back home, in a sense, to dovetail that sort of title's recognize nature in a sense i feel like is a, is a nice kind of bookend to the sector or the storyline of the of the fdw championship and again i think the the notion that teams has again with ricky and, and hobbs uh now no longer being together we're going to see that sort of dissolution i don't necessarily think we're going to have a, a 2.0 version of team taz with so many factions again have you mentioned and groups that the quiet retirement of one team is okay, especially with the prominence of the trios title and, and so many other folks being in that. I think it's okay. I think for, I'll agree that we'll occasionally see hook with the FTW championship, but then it'll at one point no longer be there and sort of kind of won't be a big deal. So it'll be quietly retired slash phased out again. So, yeah, I feel like it'll be, I, th I feel like it's a good thing, kind of like that That story arc is kind of now on its low end, kind of on its finish. Yeah, definitely is is probably where it's going to end up going. Um, the, sort of back, the on that, of the, back on that mantle, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. The, the phasing out is definitely not going to happen immediately, um, uh, but it's definitely... Uh, 
on its way back to the the Taz house mantle, like you said, it's 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 gonna that's gonna be its final resting place. Um, and it sounds almost cruel to say, I hope we never see it again. Um, but it it has served its purpose. Um, and Ricky has said, you know what, I I I did. Um, a lot of people saw this as a noose and it turned it into a tie, which I thought was really really good because it did almost feel like a curse for Brian Cage and a curse for Ricky for a long time. Um, so the fact that Ricky is kind of able to say that this was turned into a tie, uh, then Hook can go on ahead and be like, well, you know, I'm undefeated. You know, I'm not going to lose. Uh, I'm not exactly trying to chase after championships and trying to chase after reps trying to chase after wins. I am a tough guy. And I don't think he, he doesn't even need words. Everybody knows he's a tough guy. So eventually, like we said, the phasing out back on the mantle, nice little tie a bow on the Taz family, uh, the Taz family history there. Uh, I would like to see that for definite. Um, and it's, it's really all because of the digital exclusive. Like uh, I absolutely adored this little, uh, this little interview with the two of them. Yeah, you got to really see that he was proud, and, and as Taz mentioned, he's not big or not greatest on articulating his feelings in words. But just in the the two two and a half minutes of that in that digital interview, that we can see that again, he's just so proud of his son, and that Taz himself held it. And now his son holds it, and it's again sort of a nice kind of storybook ending to the story of the FTW championship in AEW. Yeah. But those were our thoughts on Ricky Starks losing the FTW championship to Hook and that whole titles story arc in AEW. So let us know your thoughts on what you thought of the match itself and the, the promo and the breakup and how you see Ricky and Hobbs and Team Taz going forward. So definitely let us know in the comments down below and or on Twitter and Instagram. All right, switching gears here, we have Quick Hits. Again, for some of the newer listeners, Quick Hits are little segments or little pieces that happen throughout the week that we enjoyed or sort of pop the boys segment that we got a kick out of that may not have got a chance to solely focus in on a topic, but we wanted to share because we enjoyed it. And I'll go ahead and start us off here. I do have one from this week. And this comes from the pre-match promo between Ruby Soho and Anna Jay on AEW Rampage. We have Eddie Kingston and Ortiz standing behind Ruby just hamming it up and completely having fun during this promo. We see them making a small violin play when Tay Conti encouraged Anna to make better choices for herself. And when Anna says slamming Ruby's head into the ring post was the best decision she ever made, they do the sign language for bullcrap. So I absolutely loved these guys showing so much character without even having to say a word, without even having to say anything. And it was just all around kind of fun. I had to, I was just laughing in the background like these guys are just having absolute blast doing this. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things you could definitely tell that they are not done with JAS yet on Eddie and Ortiz just, you know, Eddie then at the very end cycling through, you know, just come on, uh, come on, Mark, wrap it up. And then Ortiz just miming along with, 
it's time for the main event. You know, it was absolutely great. A lovely little, uh, it made me giggle, a lovely little section uh, up at the end of uh, Rampage for sure. Yeah, even though it was for the ladies for the main event, again, the aforementioned Ruby and Anna, we did have that sort of symmetry where we had Sammy and Tay standing behind Anna, and we had Eddie and Ortiz standing behind Ruby, and kind of that nice little, we have backup even though we're on our own, but we're still, we have our friends type of thing, and it was, just, again, to just to see that, the again Eddie and Ortiz, especially for Ortiz, because again he's one that's you've seen him in LAX and Impact, and you've seen him obviously in the Proud and Powerful along with Santana on the main roster, and you've seen flashes of him being show personality. And the dude's like, dude's quick, dude's funny. If you haven't gotten a chance to see him kind of cut promos and kind of thing, dude's definitely has a personality. May have not had a huge amount of opportunities to show it, but like. Yeah, just all around kind of fun interaction. So, and him being paired alongside his good friend Eddie, I think is just a really good spot for him at the moment for sure. So, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, so that was uh, that was my quick hit for the week. Uh, Joker, do you have a quick hit this week? I do, I do. It's almost uh, hand in hand with the good news of uh, of last week. You know, I, I I actually have a quick hit. It's like forever since I've had one of my own. Um. But it comes from the G1 Climax, PT. The G1 Climax tournament being the NJPW uh, tournament that's currently going on uh, to, uh, to find the next number one contender for the uh, IWGP World Heavyweight title currently held by uh, Mr. J Switchblade uh, White. Um, and it comes from a preliminary match. So the tag matches before the actual four matches or the preliminary matches, there's usually tag matches, three-man tags, even four-mans is kind of whatever. Um, and it comes from a match between uh, bad, bad Dude Tito and Big Dog Jonah versus uh, uh, United Empire's Great Khan and my favorite, Jeff Cobb. And uh, this, this, this was just an amazing match uh for uh for a couple of reasons but the main thing that got me was whenever uh jonah comes in to break up a pin uh from okan on top of tito you just see cobb just get in the ring everybody else just leaves and jonah and him stare at each other for a little bit and they start giving each other these forearm shivers and the crowd is clapping along with each hit they're clapping along. You just kind of okay, smack, 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 and then they just start running into each other, running into each other, and you just see it like every couple of seconds they go, just take take a wee uh, take a wee brick and shake their head, and they're back to running into each other, and then they just throw themselves against the ropes and smack, and both of them just fall down and fall out of the ring, and you're just looking at it going. Yeah, that's some big dude. You know, some big dudes just going at it. It was amazing. Like it's not the most technical stuff, but whenever you know, whenever you see something that's just makes your jaw go, <laughs> it was just great. It was hilarious, and you should definitely check it out. On uh, it was one of the the G one matches through the week, so not today's because there was one today that went out. I love the. The notion of kind of big hoss battles when you see like just two big dudes, especially guys that 
can be agile, obviously that are powerful, that can do some moves and things like that. Just going at it, the old proverbial biggie, big beefy boy slapping meat type of thing. Yeah. And when you, it's always kind of just a novel thing to see like two physically larger than life characters just kind of going at it. And the notion of, of Jonah and the big corn cob man himself, Jeff Cobb, just going at it. Like I, I'm always a fan for kind of big hoss fights and this, this sounds like it was just, you know, all in for that. There was only like a couple of minutes, like not even a couple of minutes, like a minute prior to this, where Cobb was stood on the back of Tito, you know, using him as a surfboard, just giving Jonah just the absolute dickens in terms of <laughs> Jonah was trying to get into the ring. The ref was holding him back, and the ref is like nothing, <laughs> pull through for a rifle, really. And it was just, oh, uh, these two guys, I can't wait to see them in singles action. Yeah, awesome. So. Yeah, that was uh sound like an awesome thing. I'll definitely have to go back and check that out. So I enjoyed that. But those were our quick hits for this week. So if you also have some quick hits, definitely let us know down in the comment section below or on Twitter and Instagram for sure. All right, and that about does it for us. Man, it was uh it was a good conversation, man. How was it for you? Yeah, it was really good. There was some nice, uh, some nice points to talk about this week, especially with the changes and the hopium and the copium and you know the the hope for the future was uh, definitely one of uh, the more interesting ones that uh, could have went on for a while longer. Yeah, it's definitely one of those where again we've had the past couple weeks where a large announcement that sort of shake the industry slash shake the companies themselves happen outside of the ring more so than inside the ring obviously with the retirement events and now the hopeful nature of triple h paul levesque himself taking over creative it's there's again there's there's hope and there's opportunity that we haven't potentially felt long-term fans for quite a while and in the opportunity for some of the laps fans to come back so it's definitely been Definitely been an interesting one to kind of watch unfold and hope for the future. All right. So with that, for TF Joker. Thank you very much for sticking with us. And for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we'll catch you next time. Peace.